our series that we started like months ago on music and on worship. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of jump off into the subject from a very, I think, kind of a weird passage, to be honest with you. Uh, look at Judges chapter 12 and stand with me just for a moment. Judges chapter 12. In Judges chapter 12, what, what we've been trying to do is to gain discernment and, and biblical uh, discernment and spiritual wisdom in regards to how to decipher that which is of the Spirit versus that which is of the flesh in different areas of life. And, and obviously one of them being the, the subject of music, the area of music in our lives. Well, what happens is when you start talking about trying to develop discernment and trying to put some kind of, dare I use the word standard, because I know for some people that's kind of a negative connotation, some kind of standard in your life uh, as it relates to the things that you allow into your mind and heart, there are going to be some people that will look at that and they're going to say, I just think you're going too far. They might say something like this. They might say, I think you're being... Here's a, a real well-known word in modern Christianity today, legalistic, all right? And anybody ever heard of that term, legalistic, all right? So I, I'd like to start off in a very different uh, passage here tonight. Look at uh, Judges chapter 12, Judges 12, look if you would at verse number one. The men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon and didst not call us to go with thee? We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. Talk about some angry people, man. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, ye delivered me not out of their hands. And when I saw ye deliver me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon. And the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are you come up unto me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said, Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. Those are tribes of Israel that were on one side of Jordan, whereas the other tribes were on the other side of Jordan. Uh, look at verse 5. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan, there it is, before the Ephraimites. And it was so that when those Ephraimites which were escaped said, Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said to him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, then said they unto him, Say now, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth. Are, are, you, are you following this? All right. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and, this is the unfortunate reality if you can't pronounce the word the right way. <laughs> then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan and there fell at that time of the Ephraimites 40 and 2,000. Uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting passage. Let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask for God's blessing. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather one more time. Lord, we ask for your blessing as we open up the Word of God. And Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to, uh, as we wrap this series up, Lord, as we've talked about uh, for months, uh, talking about different components of music, Lord, talked about having discernment, talked about, Lord, uh, uh, how, how the Spirit of God will move through music and how other spirits will also move through music. And Lord, uh, uh, we, we've looked at a number of things, and God, I just pray that you would uh, bring to, to mind, Lord, help us to recall all the things that we attempted to learn about this subject, Lord, as we approach uh, not just music, but Lord, really all the areas of our life where we're taking things in, 
Lord, music is just one of them. Would you help us to have discernment? Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated if you would. Now look, there's some people that you can talk to and you might say the same word, but you say it differently. Amen, Miss Cindy? Y'all, right? Y'all or, or Ewins? Uh, I mean, there's places... Now, you've never gone to North Carolina or uh, certain parts of eastern Tennessee. They say Ewins. They don't even say y'all. Hey, Ewins, Ewins over there. Yeah, Ewins over there. Dar, dar. Ewins over there. What, what are you saying? You all over there. I don't know what language that is, but it sounds different, Right? They're saying the same thing, but it sounds completely different. Uh, sometimes, now look, look, uh, just because someone can't pronounce something right doesn't mean we kill them. Amen? Amen? However, can I say this for me? Let me apply this spiritually. There are some things that if you cannot pronounce the right way and you cannot define the right way, they can be the end of you spiritually. Amen. They can determine how far you go for the Lord. And, and, and let me just say this much. I believe when we look at the Bible and the Bible talks about having discernment, having judgment and righteous judgment, there are going to be some people today and some Christians that will look at what is righteous judgment and they're going to say that's legalism. All right. I'm saying shibboleth. You're saying shibboleth. We're not saying the same thing. Right. And, and, and listen, what I'm saying is I'm not saying that you need to try to uh, run around and tell everybody that they're wrong for doing it their way. But I am telling you, you need to have no discernment to go. This isn't right for me and I'm not going to put it on in my life. Do you guys remember the story of David going to fight Goliath? And Saul goes, hey, you're a young man. You shouldn't go fight this big giant. Let me give you my armor. Remember what David said? That's not going to work for me. I have not proved this. In other words, that will not work for me. <laughs> Maybe that works for you, but let me tell you right now, if I were to bring in the kind of music that some Christians like into our church, it would change the entire spirit of this church. It would ch- I would limit the things that I would even be able to say from the pulpit. Those things go hand in hand. We studied that in, in, at length. What I'm getting at is this, so today's Christian will look at the study we just did, and they'll say, you're going too far. Okay, then how far do you go? When someone tells me, for example, uh, let me give you an example. All right, someone will say, uh, uh, Pastor, I think you're wrong for applying 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Well, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 5 say? If you know someone that's called a brother that's living in fornication, you are not to have fellowship with that person. Is that Bible or not? Some would say that's, that, that's judgmental. Who are you to do? I'm not, doing, I'm not thinking of myself as any better than anybody else. I'm just trying to follow what God said. Now, why does God say that? Because if you don't know, okay, here's an example. All right, uh, let's say that you're in a situation where you've got people that are maybe of a different persuasion. Maybe they're of a different lifestyle. Are you following me so far? Are you, are you tracking? And, and, and you are invited to go just hang out with them. And maybe you're not going to do anything evil, but just kind of become like friends and buddy-buddy and hang out. Is that going to be something that you should do on a regular basis? Probably not. Now, some would say, I think you're wrong for judging. Question. If someone was, let's say a guy was, was messing around with his wife, and you knew about it, and that guy says, hey, let's just go hang out all the time, and you didn't address that, you know what, you, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it, yet because it's another kind of sin. You go, well, we can't judge. No, no, listen, if it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. And if it's wrong, you draw a line and go, I can't go there. Not because I think I'm better than somebody, because what God says. That is not legalism. By the way, the definition of legalism biblically, and I know that that's a far strain for some Christians today, we want to use the Bible as our authority, right? Not just what people think. Look at Galatians real quickly. Go with me there. Well, people use that word legalistic all the time. They throw it around any time they think you're going too far. In other words, you're too biblical. 
And because you're too biblical, I'm just going to call you a legalist. All right? Now, now look, I, I know there's some people that go too far with anything. But can I ask you this question? Uh, do you have any standard at all? Are there not some people that you as a parent, if you're a parent, that you would say, I don't want you hanging out with that person? Absolutely there are. Your God is your father. There are some people and some things that your father does not want you being around. Not because he thinks that you are necessarily better than those people, right? but he wants to protect you. I don't look at Isabella and Ariana and go, I think you're better than those people. They're, no, no, no. I look at my daughters and go, it's my job to protect you. So here's some things that are safe for your life. Look at Galatians, and I, I want to show you some because I, I think the idea of uh, uh, legalism or the idea of anytime you try to put any kind of standard in place at all, people will automatically today go, well, you're just being legalistic. And, and that's not, legalism comes from uh, what Paul tries to address in the book of Galatians. Look at Galatians, and look, if you would, at uh, verse number, we're going to jump around here, look at verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You know what legalism is? It is adding to the gospel with any kind of work that you can do for your salvation. Galatians 1. If you skip and go look at all six chapters, you would eventually find... I'm just kidding. All right. Galatians chapter number 1. I apologize. Verse number 8. And if you read that, you find out that, that what Paul is trying to address is this. When you try to add to the gospel any kind of work for your salvation... That is putting yourself back under the law. That's why we're not going to read the whole book or anything, but look at chapter 2 real quickly. If you look at chapter 2, do you know what Paul does? Paul goes and, and gives his background, kind of gives you his, his uh, backstory, if you will, as to why he preaches the way he does. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 4. Because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Listen. Uh, me telling my daughter, I don't want you dating that guy, if she sees that as bondage, then that's her problem for not understanding I'm trying to protect her. That's not bondage. That's called security. All right? We're not Paul's not talking about God putting standards in your life, and that's bondage. All right? What he's talking about is you trying to earn your salvation. How do I know this? Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 7. But contrary-wise, when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me as the gospel of the circumcision was committed unto Peter for he that wrought effectually in Peter the apostles, uh, apostleship of the circumcision the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles you say what's he talking about he's going back and forth talking about circumcision whether you got to be circumcised or not in order to be saved you know what the answer is you do not have to be circumcised you do not have to abstain from pork you do not have to worship on the Sabbath in order to be saved these were the issues that were coming back into the early church by people that were trying to say, in order to be saved, you must live according to the law. We're not talking about going under the law to be saved. We're talking about having some kind of standard in your life for what you allow in here and in here and in here. Because whatever is brought in here eventually gets in here and eventually comes out here and eventually is worked through all the members of your body. So it is important what it is that you put in front of you. And what it is that you bring mentally, emotionally, and spiritually into your life. And part of it, not all of it, but part of that relates to music. And that's what we've been trying to drive home. Look, it's, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to have discernment. Look, we, look if a young lady felt that she was like in, in a situation where some guy was trying to get a little too close to her for the wrong reason, and she had to yell or she had to scream, we wouldn't go, oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you always so worried about stuff? Don't you know that made him feel uncomfortable? 
you would applaud her and go, good job. Because you had enough discernment to know what was going on around you. Look, look, the Bible says in Hebrews, and we looked at it before, I won't have you go there again, but it talks about those that have their senses exercised, talking about spiritual discernment. You need that in your life. All right, so let, let me go back to the Old Testament. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. I want to kind of, this is going to be a very, very, I believe, hopefully, Lord willing, short lesson as we round this out tonight, but I want to, I, I want to, some of you are doubtful of that, I understand. I, I want to be able to show you some things between Exodus 15 and Revelation 15, and eventually also go back to Exodus chapter 32. Uh, look at Exodus chapter 15. You see what goes on here. Well, what goes on in Exodus 15 is the Song of Moses, all right? And and as it relates to the Song of Moses, there are some things in this passage that I think are very important to note, all right? Look at Exodus 15, look at verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto who? I, I think it's really important to acknowledge when you come to church and you're singing that you're singing unto the Lord. You're not singing unto the people. You're singing unto the Lord. Now, you go, well, of course, duh, Pastor, we know that. Well, okay, well, here's the thing. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hands find it, uh, find it to do, do it mightily as unto the Lord. It says that you ought to work, not as men pleasers, trying to please men, but your service as unto the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. In other words, whatever it is that you're doing should be unto the Lord. When it comes to music, it should be unto the Lord. Lord. They sang unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. You guys know what that's talking about? This comes on the heels of the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. It's a great picture of us uh, coming through. The, the blood is applied, and the Lord brings us through, and, and the enemy is destroyed behind us. And a great, great picture of all of that. It's a great picture of Christians eventually leaving this planet and crossing over from this life into the next. There's all that, that that's there in that picture. But I want you to understand that, that I think that it's very important to note, not only is it, is it that they sing to the Lord, but also the Bible says that they spake, saying, they, in other words, they, they could, what, you say, what does this mean, preacher? I will sing to the Lord. What this means is this. Good music is understandable. Right. Amen. Yeah. Okay? Amen. All right. Now, now, look, I think I know some of you know who Adele is. Who knows who Adele is? Rolling through the day. All right. All right. Now, now, look, I think she has an amazing, beautiful voice. I can't tell half the time what she's saying. Do, do you know in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when it talks about tongues, one of the things that it talks about is that if you can't understand what's actually being said, no one can actually be ministered unto? Right. Now, now listen very carefully. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. Well, there are certain styles of music where it sounds good and you're impressed with how their vocals, but you don't know what they just said. That's not church music. And if it is what some churches do with their music, can I say this? Maybe it's not the best idea. Because you can actually understand what they're saying. And what they're doing is they're giving praise unto the Lord because of what God has done. He hath triumphed gloriously. Look at verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The music and the, and the song is not just intelligible, but it also centers itself around the Lord. Now, before I read all the rest of this, I want you to kind of skip down a little bit. Look down, if you would, at verse number 20. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, 
took a, trim, a timbrel, that's an instrument, in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Brother, can you go to the next slide? I want to do something for a moment because I think you're going to see that there's a difference between music that is exalting on the Lord and music that is not. Now, I know we looked at Exodus 32 before, but I want to show you some, some parallels between the two, some contrasts, if you will, that I think will kind of solidify what we've been trying to look at. The song of Moses versus the song of Aaron. All right, you guys know the story. Go to Exodus 32. What happened? Uh, Moses leaves, goes on top of the mountain, goes to meet with God. And, uh, and by the way, I, I think there's a lesson even in that. Every once in a while, the preacher's got to get away and meet with the Lord, right? And, and, and the, the church should go on, shouldn't fall apart like it did there in Exodus 32. Well, Moses goes up on the mountain with Joshua and he leaves Aaron behind. And, and you know, most of you know the story. What ends up happening is they, they kind of go into apostasy-like overnight. I mean, it's one thing to, to backslide over a period of months. It's another thing like, you know, the preacher's gone and all of a sudden you're like, man, i tell you what we should do. Let's build a golden idol and get naked. I mean, that's literally how it goes. Look at Exodus chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32, and look if you would at verse, oh, let's see here, uh, verse number uh, one. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him now. This is not the moral, the main moral of the story, but can I just say this much? When you get desperate as a Christian, you make bad decisions. Amen. And when, you're try, when the Lord is telling you to wait and you can't wait on something, you out of pressure will make something happen that you will regret. And they did. But, but I want you to see this is all driven by people. That what happens in Exodus 15 is driven by the Lord. The people's response to God's goodness was singing unto the Lord. That's a natural response to the goodness of God for a child of God. You ought to have a song in your heart as a born-again Christian. You should desire to sing unto the Lord for what He's good is and what He's done for you. All right? But, but here in this chapter, it's all about people. It's how the people feel. It's how the people feel de- desperate. They feel alone. The man of God left us here, and what are we going to do? And so the next thing you know, they're pulling off their earrings. They're putting them in a fire. Uh, look what it says in verse number 3. Uh, 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 they brought them unto Aaron, verse 4. He received them at their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten cabin, they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Here's what I want you to get that maybe you haven't got before. Notice in that verse, he says, It's a feast to who? But he's using something that God will not accept for worship. Think about that. I'm still praising the Lord. This is a feast to the Lord. If you walk out of here and say that Pastor Adrian said every modern song is evil and is of the devil, I didn't say that. I don't believe that. You need to have discernment, though. And just because people say something is to the Lord doesn't mean that it actually is. The object, and listen to me very carefully, the vehicle that's used to accomplish your worship is just as important as your intention. People go, all that matters is your heart. No, that's, that's not exactly true. Your intentions could be good. You can still make a mess of things. 
And in order to avoid that, you have to look at the word of God and say, okay, Lord, what is it that you will accept and what is it you will not accept? Listen, we know that we are accepted by in regard. When you talk about acceptance, the modern Christian go, I'm accepting the beloved. Don't bring me into bondage. Calm down. No one's talking you out of your salvation. What I'm talking about are the things that you do for the Lord. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Do you realize God doesn't accept everything that you do? Contrary to popular opinion, God's not in awe of everything that we do. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll come back to Exodus 32 in a moment. I want to show you a contrast between the song of Moses and the song of Aaron. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number... Um, da, 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 whether we be present or absent, I'm looking for that verse, and I just lost it. Forget. Oh, verse 9. Verse 8, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be what? Present, Present with the Lord, all right? Uh, you leave your body, uh, the moment you leave your body, your soul goes to be with the Lord, all right? But look at this in verse 9, wherefore we labor. One of the things, okay, so the Lord calls you as, as, a, as a child of God, He calls you His son, He calls you His servant, He calls you a soldier, He calls you a, a brother or sister, in Christ. you got your family in the Lord. So you're all these different elements. This is all the elements of who you are as a believer. One of them is you are a servant, which means you should be laboring unto the Lord. Look, look what it says here in verse number nine. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be what? Well, I thought I already was accepted in the beloved. You are as far as your salvation is concerned. As far as your labor and the things that you're doing and the things that you call worship, that's not a, that's not a given. That goes through the prism of the judgment of the Lord's eyes. Look at the very next verse. For we must all, where are we going to do? We're all going to appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ. So in other words, look, you as a believer have to understand, you need to have discernment to understand that which God accepts. Biblically, what does God say he accepts? And what does he not accept in regards to worship? As we talk about music, there's some music that will move you, as we talked about, in a direction that moves your flesh over your spirit. And just because you put different words on it doesn't make any difference. It's still a golden calf. You could inscribe on that golden calf, it's a feast to the Lord. It doesn't matter because it's a golden calf. The vehicle that's being used to worship doesn't make it right. Does this make sense? Right, look back, if you would, at Exodus chapter 32. Because I want to draw some correlations, some parallels, maybe some, some contrast, if you will. Exodus chapter 32, Exodus 32, look if you would at, 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 at uh, verse number uh, 6. And, and before you read verse 6, let me just remind you again, this was something that was crafted by the people. They brought their earrings, they brought their gold, Aaron put it in the fire, Aaron fashioned it. It was something that took time. Can I put it to you this way? It was not God's original design. It was something that Aaron did. To help the people work. Listen, I came out of a religion where they go, oh no, we don't worship those idols. They just help us worship. Right? All right, so, so no, they're not, I don't need that. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. All right? We walk by faith and not by. All right? So I don't always have to have the little thing in front of me go, oh, that reminds me of Jesus. My book, that book right there is supposed to remind me of Jesus Christ. 
My, my walk with God should do that because I'm walking by faith. So again, trying to delineate, look, there's some things that even though people have good intentions, it doesn't mean I look down on them. It doesn't, think I, it doesn't mean I, I think I'm better than them. It doesn't even mean that I walk around and pound my chest and go, our church does it the right way. We still aren't even doing it all right. Sometimes you come to church with the right music and your attitude stinks. And it takes you 30 minutes before you realize you're in a funk and you got to get out of it and say, God, forgive me. I've taken the salvation for granted. I've taken the spirit of God for granted. I've taken the scriptures for granted. Haven't read my Bible all week. Come to church and go, Lord, bless me if you can. And then I wonder why that worship service was lame. You were lame. And you brought your lameness with you. Amen. And listen, I've been there too. I'm not just throwing stones. What I'm getting at is this. I'm not here to tell you we got it all figured out. But I can tell you this. Just because you attach the Lord's name on it doesn't mean it's right. Amen. Right? Some people do that with swear words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a feast to the Lord. Well, the Lord didn't accept it. Uh, look, look at verse number six. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people, now you may go, what does that have to do with music? We're going to get to that. The people sat down to eat and to drink. And rose up to play. You know this represents represents the modern Christian. And listen, I don't mean the modern Christian outside of New Heights Baptist Church. I mean us. We need to look in the mirror and go, here's our problem. We want to be entertained. Americans are literally dying of heart disease and every other kind of problem because they want to sit down and be entertained. Listen, you need to get up and do something and do something with your life for the Lord. (laughs) But you know what they're doing? They sat down to eat to drink, and they got to play. Let me tell you something. Whatever kind of music that, they're, that, that is involved in this worship, and you go, where's the music at? We'll get to that in a moment. I can tell you this much. It's driving them to do things that aren't right. It's driving them to do things that are not part of worship. Worship is you sacrificing. Worship is not you enjoying and entertaining yourself. You understand? You should enjoy worship if your heart's right with God because you're pleasing the Lord, and that's why you're here. But in regards to, I, I, you, you should not see worship as, oh man, I know the illustration has gotten old for some of you because you've heard it before, but I, I, this is just etched into the fibers of my mind. My pastor back in Tennessee, Brother Paul Inello, who's now an evangelist, he tells a story. He's sitting out with, Star, uh, with his uh, brother Randy from church, one of the deacons at Starbucks, and this guy is ranting and raving about this church. Well, what happened really was he heard Brother uh, Pastor Inello uh, talk with Brother Randy about church, and this guy goes, oh, you guys are saved. And the guy was saved, born-again child of God. And there's no doubting his salvation for one moment. He's a saved, born-again child of God. And he comes in and goes, oh, yeah, man, our church is awesome, and you know, this is awesome, that's awesome. And he goes, well, what's so awesome about it? He goes, man, the music, music's off the chain. They got the band, they got this, they got that. It's just you, you will not be, his words, you will not be entertained any better with any worship music anywhere in Nashville than there. Well, you're not supposed to be entertained. That's not what it's supposed to be about. You're not the golden, you're not the gold, you, you are not supposed to be the golden calf. God is supposed to be the object of worship. And, 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 so, and so here's the problem, I believe, with modern worship. Even When I say modern worship, please listen carefully. I'm not just saying because we got the right music that we're exempt from this. We come to church sometimes very self-centered. You better say the things that I like. You better not say anything I don't like. Everybody better shake my hand. I better get... No, and it's all about us instead of it being about God. <laughs> That's just as deadly for you. But there's something going on here with the worship scene that isn't right. Uh, l- look, if you would... Oh, let's see here. Down at verse number 15. 
And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two uh, tables of the testimony were in his hand. The, the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and the other side were they written. And the tables were the work of who? Yeah. Hold on to that which is made by the Lord. Let go of that which is made by man. Now, 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 I want you to go back up. Look, 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 if you would, at verse number 7. The Lord said unto Moses, go get thee down. You know what Moses had? He had a good walk with the Lord, and the Lord gave him discernment. You want that in your life. For thy people, I, I love that verse, verse 7. The Lord says, thy people. Do you guys get that? It's like, if any, of you, any of you married people, you ever look at her and go, your son is doing this, right? Uh, that's what the Lord just did right there. For thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way, which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have what? They worshiped it. Well, I thought this was a feast of the Lord. What happened? Well, we had the right intention. Yeah, but that's not how it ended. What's missing in this whole story, guys, is no one had enough discernment to go, we're not doing this the right way. We're not seeking God after the due order. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, number, oh, let's see, verse number 19. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp that he saw the calf and the what? And you remember what happened when Joshua was coming down Joshua thought that there was war. Look at verse 17. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that what? Okay. So you cannot ignore. I, I'm here to tell you this. You can worship without music, but worship plus music is a very powerful thing whether for good or for bad. Now, when they sang the song of Moses, clearly it was about God redeeming them, it was about the work of God. And then, you remember, now let's, let's be fair, the women danced. Remember that? All right? I can tell you this, it wasn't like, mm, wasn't none of that stuff. All right? The women weren't dancing like that. All right? You can study this stuff out. You can learn about Jewish culture and all that stuff and how they danced back then to, you know, give God praise after a war and all that kind of stuff. But can I, show, can I tell you this? The women were doing that. You notice they weren't mixing it? Are you guys, are you guys getting this? Because you're acting really quiet. I'm not sure how to take you. <laughs> kind of scaring me. Um, l l look down, if you would, at, uh, oh, let's see here, uh, verse 25. When Moses saw that the people were what? All right, so you got dancing, you got people naked, and you got music. Okay. Can we be honest about this? Like we mentioned it before, they probably weren't singing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. There was something about that music that got them moving in a direction that was wrong. Even though they started off saying, we're doing this for the Lord. You got to keep that in mind. And by the end of it, they're naked, they're dancing, and it's mixed men and women. And Moses comes down and breaks up the party. Now, wh why, why am I showing you all this? Well, I'm trying to get you to understand. In one place, they keep their clothes on. In another place, they get naked. Music's involved in both. But one kind of music keeps you going, okay, this is about the Lord. One kind goes, I'm enjoying myself a little too much. All right? 
uh, they both had instruments in both parts. One had true, wor- one was true worship. One was false. One was dancing. There was dancing. Remember when Dave, David danced before the Lord, all right? But it wasn't sensual. <laughs> now, someone watching this online, you legalists, you think that a man can't dance with his wife? I didn't say that. But I'm telling you this much. What was going on there was not, okay, couples only. Okay? Can you guys read between the lines? In Exodus 32, and understand that it was wicked. And there was something about the music that drove that. So you have to be careful in your life, number one, with what you're bringing in in regards to music, all right? Because if you're not careful, it's going to move you in the wrong direction. And then when you jump into the realm of worship, now you've got something spiritual going on, and the devil wants to be in that. And he was the choir leader from way back in eternity past. We learned that already. He has a hand. He wants to be a part of that. And you may go, well, the song of Moses, that just kind of sounds stiff and boring. They weren't bored. They had a great time rejoicing with the Lord. But let me show you something. Look at Revelation chapter 15. Revelation 15. You know the song of Moses shows up again in the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 15. Now, now clearly, clearly, if you study the book of Revelation, what you learn is you learn about the fact that you are part of the body of Christ, which is a very exceptional situation in history where you are born again and placed in the body of Christ and you can't lose your salvation. And, and, and I, I'm going to be very careful how I, I state this because I don't believe that what goes on in the tribulation is a, uh, an apples-to-apples situation with where we're at right now. All right? uh, in the tribulation, if they take the mark of the beast, they're done. Someone could be following. the. That's why Hebrews, a lot of times, reads like it does. You can draw back or fall back on a perdition, all that kind of stuff. And you can take the mark and then, bam, you're done. That's it. Uh, Revelation 14 says that very clearly. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. So in other words, someone could be following the Lord and then fall back unto perdition, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, by taking that mark. There's nothing today as you as a child of God could do to lose your salvation. Thank God. So they're not exactly the same, but I do want to show you something that's interesting, kind of a practical little nugget here. Uh, I, I look at uh, Revelation 15, and look, if you would, at verse number one. I, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and then they had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name and stand on, a stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Do you notice that victory is associated with music? There's, there's nothing wrong with you being excited about what God's doing in your life. Nothing wrong with that at all. all right? and, and notice verse number uh, 3, and they sing the song of who? The servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse 5. After that I looked, and behold, the temple, the tabernacle of the testament in heaven was opened. Uh, down at verse, look at uh, verse number 8. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Can I just maybe suggest this? The right kind of music allows God to fill his temple. I'm just trying to show you something practical. And, and can I also give you this as well? The song of Moses is like 1,500 years old at the time of Christ. You know how old it is right now? About 3,500 years. And if the rapture happens right now and the tribulation is ushered in, this is not that far away. Do you realize 3,500 years later they still sing a song? Why am I saying that? There are some things that are old that are still good. 
All right. Now, I'm not going to brother, you can just kind of quickly go through some of these other. I'm not going to go through all the stories of every single song. But man, this guy wrote this song after watching, uh, knowing that his family died at sea and watching the, the ship sink and going, he didn't get to see it, but going to the very place where he was told that's where the ship sank. According to the newspapers, that's where your family died. That's where this man wrote, it is well with my soul. Aren't you happy for that? Are you thankful for that hymn? All right, keep going, brother, if you would. Hold the fort for I am coming. <laughs> I mean, that's a great song. Look, we, these are older songs. I get it. I get that we don't always say, ho, my comrades. <laughs> we don't always talk that way today. You also don't say, thou art. Do you? Holy, holy. Uh, who art and was, was and is to come. We don't say that, but it's biblical language. <laughs> All right, keep going, brother, if you would. Great is thy. Fa- Can we just call it great is your? I don't know. You, you could change it to great is your faithfulness. But, but it goes with biblical language. You go, well, it's old-fashioned. And, and all the rest of them, brother, several. You can just keep clicking on through. I could go through all night long, too, all the stories of all these songs. But here's where a lot of people are at today. That's old. Can I just say this much? So is breathing. It's been done for thousands of years. It still works. So is vitamin D. Go outside. Somebody need more vitamin D. Quit, put the controller down. Go outside. Get some sun. Amen? I, I mean, it's, there's things that are old-fashioned, but they're still good for us. And I want to be very careful and say this much. I don't believe just because something is old that it's good. The Book of Mormon is old. I don't accept it as my authority. Right. All right? I'm not saying just because it's old is good and just because it's new is bad. But I also want to say this much. The argument against the music that we sing in our church from a lot of people is this. Well, it's just kind of old-fashioned. We don't talk that way. Well, you don't say thee and thou and thy and thine, but that's supposed to be your authority. And just because it's old doesn't mean that it's bad. Can I, can I suggest this about this music? Some of this music is the music that was associated with the greatest missionary endeavors that ever took place on this earth. With a period of time where Christianity was a little bit different than it is right now. And I, I do think this. I think sometimes we can go back and go, man, they had something that we don't. And, and it's not even always spiritual reasons. Do you, know, do you realize if you have to wake up and go to the bathroom in an outhouse and get eggs out of a coop, and if you're going to eat meat, butcher it yourself, and if you're going to eat fl- uh, bread, you know, harvest the wheat and cook it yourself, you have a different outlook on life. You, you see the Lord differently. You see life differently. So we're never going to go back. I'm not saying we can do that, but I do think this. We have a legacy. There's some things that have been passed down to us, and we can take that in 2023 and go, God, thank you for the people that wrote those songs. God, thank you for those hymns that are spiritual. They get sometimes, every once in a while, I get a holy tap. Amen. Or I might get a, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm not going to get from that music? You're not going to do that to hold the fort. I, I can tell you this, and I'm not trying to be funny. Some music that's brought in the church, it feels more like a nightclub. And it's more about the sensual, the feeling, than it is. You become the center of what is a spiritual experience instead of the Lord. Do you realize sometimes when you're just sitting like a bump on a log and truth is preached out and the Holy Spirit of God is moving in your life, even though you don't get the warm fuzzies, that's a spiritual experience because that's God working in your life. How we judge the spiritual, oh, I just felt so good. Some things that feel good are bad for you. 
and some things that, that don't feel so great are good for you. <laughs> so, so you have to have enough discernment to understand, look, just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's bad. But, but the argument, that well, that's just old-fashioned, and we're beyond that now. No, wh- where did that come from? Uh, if we're not beyond this, then I'm going to tell you right now, we're not really beyond this. Now you go, you may say, well, preacher, I think you're just holding on to it because you're old-fashioned. Let me tell you something right now. Um, I run a successful multi-million dollar business. Doesn't mean I'm a millionaire. The business is in revenue, okay? So don't think for a moment the wrong thing. But I run a successful business. I know how to market. I know how we can get more butts and chairs here real fast. I could change the music and I can back off on what I preach to you guys. And we could do it. But you would hate it. If you had any spiritual bone in your body, you'd go, this isn't right. And, and what I'm getting at is this, just because it's convenient, makes you feel good, is easier, doesn't mean it's right. Worship is not intended to be convenient for us. Worship is intended to be a spiritual exercise of sacrifice unto the Lord. When you come to church and you pick up the Bible for the first time, it's a weird book. It is. And when you come to church and you start singing some of those songs, you go, this is kind of weird. Come on, anybody ever, you know what I'm talking Coming out from the world and coming in here, it's kind of like, this is weird. Then after a while, because you have allowed the Lord to show you that just because it doesn't suit you doesn't mean it doesn't suit the Lord. After a while, you go, this is good. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm being ministered unto and I've watched some of you as we sing it as well with the tears strolling down, streaming down your face because the issues are going on in your life and you be able to say, Lord, I don't like it. Lord, it hurts, but this is real worship. I can legitimately say, Lord, it is well with my soul. Amen. You say, what is that? That's worship. And, and, and again, I could not be more clear with you in, in saying that I don't, I'm not here to tell you that every modern song is bad and every old song is good, but I do think that there are some things that we should hold on to. Let me close with this, but if you go to the last slide, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, the word tradition gets a bad rap in the Bible for a good reason. When you put up tradition against, uh, above the authority of God's word, you're in trouble. Okay? You never want to do that. You never want to come to church and go, well, it's just the way that we do it. You ought to have a reason. You know why I'm teaching you this stuff? Because I don't want you, you're going to rub elbows with people that come and you may go, man, I've been trying to get this person to church, try to get them to church. They come and like after church, they're like, nah, your worship was kind of like different. You ought to have an answer for them. Different based on what? Well, different based on what I've experienced. Oh, you mean like they, they sing out of a book instead of having the words up there? Look, I don't think there's anything unspiritual about having the words up there. But I, I do think there's something very individualistic about you having something in your hand where you looking at it and you going, man, that means something to me. Amen. That's a special transaction. Just like you having your Bible versus you coming to church not bringing a Bible and just putting up the verses up here the whole time. There's something about you looking at something for yourself. You teachers or you parents that do any kind of education with your kids, you know this. When they've got it in front of them, they're looking at themselves. It's different for them than just putting it up on a screen where 30 kids are looking at it at one time. All right? So, so th- th- you ought to think about these things. Why do we do the things that we do? It's not just because, well, Pastor Aiden's old-fashioned, you know, and, you know, and we've tried to get him to change, but he's just an old fart. That's not, that's not it. You ought to go, man, the reason why is because this is something that we've been blessed to have been given a, a legacy 
a goodly heritage that has been passed on to us, and we want to hold on to it. Uh, look at Second Thessalonians chapter number two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Can I, every time I've ever done this series, this is my third time teaching on music. Every single time, and at times it has shocked me. There are people that have gotten offended. Every time, and some people have left. Now, do I rejoice in that? Absolutely not. Not at all. It's it's weird. I think some people think like pastors want to offend people. Like, I, I wake up in the morning and go, let me think, Tim, how many ways can I offend the people in my church so I can run them all off? <laughs> like, if that's how you think, I don't, I don't, I'll be as gentle as I can, but you kind of need to get over yourself and know that there are hours spent praying over people, weeping over them. I don't want anyone to leave. But at the same time, truth is truth. And, I, and I've learned this. If you can't get a group of people cohesively in one accord about what worship is and is not, what do you have in a church? If anything goes, and there are no questions, and there's no like, hey, I'm not sure about that, you're in trouble. You have to put a check and balance on that. You need to make sure that the flesh is kept in, in, in control. Do you know one of the reasons why we do this? We sing out of the hymnal. You say, oh, because all the songs are perfect in there. Nope. Paul says it like this. For me, it is grievous, but for you, it is safe. Some things are done just because it's the safe thing. Do you realize you can open up the door with music in a church, and it's not all bad, but man, once you start kind of opening some of those things up, if you're not careful, it's just, just, it just goes out of control. And I've watched it. Anybody ever seen that happen in a church before? I don't want it to happen here. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Look, if you would, at verse um, 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. No, that's not it. That's not the right one. It's 1 Thessalonians, guys. I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians. Folks, I am not liking what I'm seeing here. Something isn't right about my verses. Um, I've got this all messed up. Go to 2 Thessalonians one more time. <laughs> all right. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I apologize. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And look, if you would, at verse number 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the what? Some tradition. I'm not talking about the traditions that you, that you put in your life that are above the word of God. But some traditions are biblical. And it's okay to keep them. And you know one of the traditions that's biblical and it's okay to keep? Is singing the songs that we sing. It's, you go, well, it's tradition. Yeah, but it's a biblical tradition. <laughs> and, and it's a safe thing for you as a Christian. And let's be honest, when you're looking at those words and you're really rightfully walking in the spirit and you're looking at those words and the music is ministering unto you, you and I both know that is different than any music you hear out in the world. And it's intended to be that way on purpose. It is intentionally that way. You say, well, it's a tradition. Yeah, it's a tradition, but it's a good one. Uh, Look at uh, Proverbs 22, Proverbs chapter 22. We'll close with this thought. Proverbs chapter 22. I hope that you've learned some things. I hope you've gotten some things out of this series. I hope it's challenged you a little bit, made you think a little bit. Uh, my intention is absolutely never, I, I never get up to try to offend people. That's not my goal. Do I know going into a series like this, someone's not going to like something that's said? Probably. All right. But my goal is not to offend, but rather to kind of to, to show you from the word of God, 
Man, th- this is what is right. This is what is needful for your life. And this is why we do. If, if, if you come to church and you just go along with things, you never stop and ask, why do we do this? You got to do that. Why do we sing these songs? Why, why do we have a, a leader of music? And why do, those are all things from the book of Psalms. Those are biblically based things. Why do we have this? They're biblical traditions. Look at Proverbs 22 and look, if you would, at verse number 28. We are living in a generation that wants to tear down the very society that gave us the blessings that we have right now. You know, um, tear down the, the, the statue of some general and put some perverted artistic thing up in his place. Just, just get, just basically blow the whole thing up. Now that's happening in America as a nation, but it's also started with the church. You know what the church said? We don't want to do it the way daddy did it. How many times have you ever seen a church that says, not your grandma's church? Some of you need your grandma's church. <laughs> Some, my generation needed more, you know, something. I'll just leave it there. They need, they need what grandma had. Now look what it says here in verse number 28. Remove not the ancient landmark, which thy what? Fathers have set. Hey, there's some things we should not change. Should we as children of God be willing to understand that some things is there's nothing wrong with using technology. There's nothing wrong with having lights. We're not Amish. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having electricity. Nothing, not, we're not going there. All right. But there are some things that honestly shouldn't change. And your outlook on music, if you're not careful as a child of God, you're allowed to be shaped by the world and by what some Christians today consider to be worship. And if you're not careful, really what it is is it's self-serving. I like it. And, and, and I kind of like the beat. I kind of like the sound. I kind of like the, uh, okay, but does God? Well, li- I mean, just kind of listen to it. I, I, listen, I'm with you. I, can, I hear a song one time, it's up here. I'm not saying that's a good thing. My wife's the opposite. She goes, where'd you hear that song? King Supers. She's like, you heard it like o- overhead? I'm like, yeah. And you just, you got it? I'm like, yeah. She's like, how do you do, I don't know. I could be a blessing and a curse at the same time. But, but what I can tell you is this. I can tell you when I come here, this is different than what's out there. And, and, and I, I think we should want that. And I think there's some things that we should go, you know what? Let's not remove that. The Lord set that there. And then we'll go ahead and stop there tonight. Uh, next week, what we're going to do is take up uh, uh, questions, do questions and answers. And then we're going to start a new series. But I, I pray, I sincerely pray that if you have questions about music and if I can answer them, I'll do the best I can. I pray the series has been challenging. I pray it's been educational. pray in some way it's been inspirational to you and kind of re- redirected you back to the Word of God in, in the subject matter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's all stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Tim, if you'd ask God's blessing, what we just learned.